Greetings, this is Dr. JD, or Edward Wall Lynham again, with part two of God's special counsel. Now picking up where I left off discussing the misguided, hateful, and even demented behaviors we are seeing in both black, white, and Latinx communities. As you now know, I speak Spanish fluently, having spent a year and a half of my life living and studying mostly in Spain, but also in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. It's interesting that every conversation I have with someone about mental health is always met with that person doing more talking than listening, believing they know and understand the many faucets of mental health disabilities because they may have dated a crazy person who took drugs for it or because they have or had a relative who suffered dementia or something like Alzheimer's. We've become a society and culture that no matter the subject or topic, We'll speak on it from the very limited experiences of our limited exposure without listening and learning to others' perspectives, knowledge, and viewpoints. From someone like myself who is experienced and learned having worked for years in the field with mental health professionals, psychologists, and psychiatrists on a daily basis because for years I represented as many as 15 clients in court at a time who were dealing with and resolving their own unresolved mental health issues. So unless you have had hundreds of cases of experience, taking classes to know the different diagnoses within the field, you know that many different types of psychotropic medications used to treat different diagnoses, have read over thousands of what's called comprehensive behavioral health assessments on children, and have represented over a hundred clients who have taken psychological evaluations and undergone mental health counseling over a long period of time, then perhaps you should be quiet and listen to someone like myself who tries to teach you, who tries to share our knowledge on this very broad and very complicated field of study that affects you and affects us all together. So I give this big lead up of my experience in mental health to lead into, I didn't and couldn't pay close attention to social media while I was heavily engaged in my legal work. However, I could see how my client's social media accounts and the things they said on them, including things their family said on social media would often become issues in my client's cases that would make their way into the courtroom. Since leaving the practice of law, I see every day how people I knew, whether it be from high school, college, and beyond, I see them expressing themselves on social media. And what I see makes me feel sorry for the majority because I see their unresolved mental issues shining through their social media posts like narcissism and sadistic personality disorders, especially when it came to the Donald Trump effect and people's obsessions over the breaking headline news that they simply needed to quote about something he said, which made black people focus and obsess over it versus everything else that he did or what was going on in their communities that were more important and that touched their lives. I see the bipolar personality disorders from people who embrace God and scripture in one post then are pouring out a little liquor with bottle in one hand in the next post, 
There's something desperately wrong with people who display that kind of observable behavior on their social media accounts. We are in the most tumultuous times of our lifetime now in the United States with poverty, under and unemployment, people having to go to food banks that have never had to do so before in their lives, but do so now just to feed their families. Like on tomorrow for Thanksgiving, Folks in my hometown of Orlando, Florida are seeing crime and gun violence like we've never seen. And that's largely due to the socioeconomic times that we're in. But despite the many college educated people on social media, those same people would rather jest, shucking and jiving for likes instead of posting things within their academic field of study that can be helpful and intellectual blessing that enlightens people who may not be prone to hit the like button on their post. The negative emotional and educational effect social media is having in society is an objective fact that has been observed scientifically with many, many studies. Because my social media included white people with whom I've worked with or have gone to church with, I can see the very different and sad disparity between the posts made by my college educated colleagues and associates who are white as opposed to those posts by the black college educated people that I knew. Comparing those posts by many of my old high school classmates who may not have gone to or completed college, the observation is clear that posts by most people, regardless of race, are largely driven by either their emotions of anger or vanity and narcissism. However, the substance and value of the posts are largely varied by race. Posts by black social media friends tend to lack any intellectual insight or value with respect to current issues written about in the local newspaper, in large part because of what's called functional illiteracy, meaning black people obviously in, in large numbers are not reading the newspaper and don't read beyond the headline of the news article they're commenting on on social media that they find to repost. It's a sad display of illiterate monkey see, illiterate monkey do on social media. Social media has turned black people like those wanting justice for slain martyrs killed by police like Breonna Taylor or George Floyd into ineffective and worthless emotional bullhorns instead of people who come together to take action and affect change. I've repeatedly posted on my social media the fact that most blacks who do this on social media are seemingly unaware that they themselves are exhibiting a slave mentality, an unresolved mental health issue in our community where people won't even tag the sheriff or state attorney for Breonna Taylor or George Floyd. They won't write a letter to the sheriff or state attorney for Breonna Taylor or George Floyd. They won't contact their state representatives and senators or congressional leaders to say, how can I best help you help us get justice for say Breonna Taylor or George Floyd? Folks, let me tell you that you who do this are struggling with your own demons that you're using social media to deflect from. If you're on social media, expression passion about all of these social and criminal justice issues, but don't or won't tag the one person 
who can render the justice you scream you want. If you won't or don't contact your local elected officials and ask them, how can I help you help us get justice? And many of you won't even write a letter of complaint to anyone with whom you express complaints about on social media. Folks, those of you who do this are just as much of the problem with the turmoil and injustice we are experiencing in our nation because you are not serving as a force for good, but instead a force of worthlessness. An example of how to stand by and watch instead of being that equal and opposite force God expects you to be against the evil and wickedness you are witness to on social media. You all need to pray to God that he breaks this slave mentality curse in our minds that preclude us from working with community leaders, from writing a letter, a complaint that tags the sheriff or state attorney with our concerns about the video we just saw where one of the deputies or officers murder a black person in cold blood. Not doing so is equivalent to not voting. Many people vote for president of the United States, but the same people won't stand up to their local sheriff or district attorney who they can't stop complaining about. Writing a complaint is speaking truth to power. It builds a record for the attorney who will eventually take them to task. People's inability to speak up and write letters that build an official record is present day slave mentality. You're the present day equivalent to the former field Negro who never lodge a complaint against their master. And the free slaves of today who don't lodge written complaints against elected officials, including corrupt judges, are field Negroes. You all need to pray to God as to why the only thing you can bring yourself to do is repost the headline on social media with some commentary and maybe go to a protest where you live on Facebook just to seem like you're doing something when you won't even do the basics of writing a letter of complaint. I can't emphasize more the illiteracy issues in our black community where we don't confront the issues in our own backyards. And for the life of us, like I said, won't write and file a formal complaint about anything, even when your own children are affected. You'll call and shop around for an attorney that you want to do all the work and do it for free before you even write a letter to the people in power who can directly and swiftly address your concerns. Too many people on social media get a false sense of accomplishment from their social media echo chambers. Fortunately, more and more of our local preachers and ministers are recognizing the problem and beginning to address it in their sermons. Emotional commentary and opinions on a topic is not and never will be a substitute for taking real action. Real action, again, being signing a petition, letter writing, boycotts, even protest. The things literate people know work because they've read and know what works versus following the blind caravan of people out there for their own vanity, dragging everyone who's also in their closed-minded inner box along with them, as though people like me don't know it's all a deflection away from your own cowardness. Take two seconds to call or write your local congressperson. 
Take two seconds to attend a city hall meeting to share your concern during the public comment portion of that meeting. The most concerning posts to me, however, are those made by people I know who have law degrees. And that's not necessarily because of what they were posting. It's what they're not posting. Considering all of the legal malfeasance we are all seeing come out of the White House, down to the U.S. Senate, to our local governors, attorney generals, state attorneys, and sheriff's offices, including the chambers of our own local elected judges. It's bizarre how so many people with law degrees only talk about distant issues versus the malfeasance of our own elected officials and leaders, including our local judges. It's bewildering to see no posts from local self-proclaimed activists about the many issues that don't make TV or social media news, but, but is far more important in our state and in our cities where we live as opposed to the issues big mass media pushes through our news feeds. As though those remote issues occurring around the nation are more important than the injustices, humanitarian needs, and unprecedented immoral behavior of people and leaders in the backyard of our own local communities. What I'm describing is this bizarre dichotomy in our psyche that differs greatly depending on our race and or political party. White Republicans can work together lockstep on anything regardless of how crazy it is, like opposing wearing a coronavirus mask to protect ourselves and each other from a virus. But on the other hand of the dichotomy, local black democratic leaders as opposed to the congressional black caucus, the local black leaders won't don't and seemingly can't do anything together but say a community turkey giveaway or fish fry or fish fry. And I'm not saying that facetiously. And you can see I have no shame talking about black politicians in my own hometown of Orlando, Florida, because they too often represent the perfect example of the black community's at large ineptitudes by the mere fact that they can't and won't even coordinate anti-racism or even get out the vote initiatives during these times when we are all fighting for the same thing. Respect, dignity, and parity with all of our human brothers and sisters with whom we share this land. I think it's what we're all, the same thing that we're all fighting for. In contrast, the posts of whites I know largely center around their racial prejudices that they try to mask or hide with posts of Bible scriptures. They either don't know or don't care that they're peddling in their own brand a white Christian nationalism that's antithetical to Christianity itself. So although they're posting Bible scriptures, they don't see their own anti-Christian behavior that's rooted in their racial prejudice that precludes them from showing empathy to people of color, meaning they seem to know or simply don't care that their behavior and actions reveal they don't see people of color as equals. Society has drifted far away from God and into a land of self-pride, selfishness, and pretentiousness to the point where many televangelists are unafraid and 
unabashed to show their demented right-wing stripes from the pulpit by preaching that God and Jesus Christ prefers one political party over another while condemning liberals and Democrats as evil people who hate God. So the people we refer to as Christian nationals aren't at all Christians because they see themselves as the salt of the earth, anointed as God's chosen, as though there's a New Testament gospel that gives white Gentiles a special Christian status. It's demonic on every level when God made even men with dark skin in his image while reserving any status of a chosen people to the Jewish people or Israelites. And like I said in part one, that's because these people are listening to these right-wing televangelists and false prophets that are preaching and teaching a perverted Christian orthodoxy that's rooted in their own politics and political beliefs versus what's written in the Bible and New Testament as Christian values like love thy neighbor, help the poor, and do good works for those people. The vitriol spoken by too many conservative evangelical preachers are anything but. For example, the so-called prophet Jeremiah Johnson, who recently left his ministry in Lakeland, Florida for greener pasture in North Carolina, has been spewing crazy right-wing pro-Trump anti-Christian prophecies since I began paying attention to him this past summer. Ironically, after Biden announced he was going to pick a female vice president running mate and the likelihood that she would be a black woman, did this false prophet, Jeremiah Johnson, begin prophesying that the woman Biden was going to pick would be a Jezebel figure who'd win Joe Biden over with her charming charisma. He described who he thought would be the first female black vice president as a Jezebel figure from who Christians like him should avoid. That's how you substitute Christian prophecy for your own secular politics that promotes white supremacy by doing exactly what this false prophet Jeremiah Johnson did. That's not prophecy. That's his personal right-wing political views that he regurgitates as false prophecy. But this false prophet Jeremiah Johnson is not alone as we know. Another Florida minister right here in Apopka Paula White has been one of Trump's biggest evangelical supporters who, because of the era of political correctness that we're in, no one calls out for openly engaging in a form of witchcraft and sorcery with her pro-Trump white Christian national words. Instead of her praying for God to have his will with our national politics and presidential election, she openly declares and demands in Jesus' name the political outcomes she desperately wants to come true versus praying to God for revelation based upon what he, our God, is doing and shall do that's absolutely opposite to her prophecies and political desires of what she wants God to do. The Hagee Ministries in Texas is another one who openly preaches that God hates liberals and Democrats from his pulpit to the thousands, if not millions, watching them on television. And he's not the only one. Many mega pastors preach that God hates people who sway liberal or Democrat politically. Although these are a minority of preachers preaching this demonic theology, the vast majority of pastors are not calling them out on it. 
Sober Christians know our God is one of love and truth and that these preachings about God hating certain people is antithetical to Christian orthodoxy, meaning it comes from a sinister and wickedly evil place. Their ungodly right-winged agenda and ministries fuel this cult of wickedness, this cult of idolatry and hate we're witnessing today in America because they disagree with others' political views. So they've since long ago implemented this demonic strategy to claim a monopoly on God and Jesus Christ by associating his kingdom with their political affiliation, leaving their cult followers, aka parishioners, to sow and disciple their seeds of division. So in closing, we as a nation of Americans, regardless of race, aren't going to resolve any of our deep-seated demons with politically correct speech on these issues. So that's why I'm humbled. God has given me the strength to present these issues to you in this podcast and video blog. This is Dr. JD thanking you for tuning in to either the Criminal Justice Today podcast or the How to Win a Murder Trial video blog. Please continue to tune in to hear my to hear me put into proper context the criminal and sometimes social justice issues of the day that the mainstream media or social media pushes on us because they don't want us talking about and allow me to package it all up in a way we can digest it and use it to look at these issues from a vantage point that moves us all closer to realizing we're all one human race on assignment for our one God's kingdom. This is Dr. JD. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, goodbye.